0: Hit me.
1: From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for. Suck The number one comedy podcast about comedy. Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Hershaw.
2: Yes, unbelievable as it may be, it is I, Mark Hershon, your host and guide through the twisted wiles of podcast land. Welcome to Epi 80. ...of Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. This week our special guest is Paul Mercurio, who you also may have heard for a few minutes at the top of last episode, number 79, and for a longer interview back in Epi 65. To be honest, I was going to play my interview that I did back in October with Travis and Brandy Clark from the Tiny Odd Conversations podcast, but I recorded it at a sidewalk cafe in North Hollywood... And the traffic noise made it really difficult to listen to. I tried to filter it out. I tried all sorts of audio tricks, but uh, it was just kind of too painful to get through. Uh, I mean, the subject matter was great, but you couldn't hear it. So um, I'm going to have to visit them again and have another sit-down soon. So apologies to Travis and Brandy over at Tiny Odd Conversations. That's TalkPod, T-O-C-P-O-D.com. So be sure to check them out. I ended up having a great conversation with Paul, who was in town performing at the San Francisco Punchline. And that'll be coming up in a little while after we play some clips, a brand new song from our friend and co-host of the Functional Nerds podcast, John Anilio, our Burst-O-Durst with comedian Will Durst, as well as some other business. Now, here's a taste of
3: Paul Mercurio. I, I stone cold comes to my hotel room in Los Angeles. And by the way, on his way up, I'm like, man, this guy's, What if he goes into a roid range, it starts... Start roid rage and starts <laughs> raping me in the room. I'm not gonna be able to get his huge. Couldn't be a nicer. Guy. Great press though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's Skin, a win-win. Skinny Italian comedian <laughs> raped in his room by a <laughs> Daddy, did that really happen to you? Yes, yes. (laughs)
2: That interview with Paul is coming up in a bit, so stick around or fast forward or whatever. I have no control over your actions. Something I just discovered. Quite a bummer. What wasn't a bummer is that Suckatash got a nice little play from our friends Dean Haglin and Phil Lernis over at the Chill Pack Hollywood Hour last week.
4: You know, you are listening to your Chill Pack Hollywood Hour, mm-hmm. as heard on uh, the Talk Superstation. Yes. Uh, we always appreciate uh, not only them uh, airing our show, but uh, promoting it uh, as they do. Excellent. Uh, you may uh, be hearing excerpts of this show on Mark Kershaw's... suck a Oh, I said it too loud. Uh, you know, I didn't mention this as an intention last week, but I contacted uh, Mark earlier today because really it is one of my heart's desires to work on something with that guy. I know, right? He's, uh, he's the hardest working guy in showbiz. But, he, he, you know, he's, it's always so cool getting to uh, spend time with him and getting to interact and exchange yeah. ideas. It'd be so much fun to work on something with him. And so I have, I have an idea that I'm going to bounce his way wow. uh, later today. And we'll Wait for what,
5: that one, Mark.
2: See what happens to that. That's coming. Well, Phil has bounced that idea at me, and it's a goodie. Can't say anything about it, I don't want to jinx it, but let's just say it's jumped ahead of the queue in front of our plans to start a podcast network, which is still on the back burner, and I think someone may have turned the flame down a little bit. Do yourself a favor and catch a whole show over at showpackhollywood.com or iTunes. In fact, you can download, I think, every show we feature here on Suckatash from iTunes, and most of them you can listen to streaming from Stitcher On Demand Radio, as they're calling themselves these days, Uh, except, ironically, uh, Not Chill Pack Hollywood. Uh, Phil is uh, attempting to set them up over there. It's not hard, so I think it's a matter of time more than anything. And uh, you'll be able to hear them over there. As well, speaking of chill pack, a few episodes ago, you know, we got our traditional weekly shout out for our show on their show from a guest of theirs, Alex Leftchuk, who's the host of the midweek drive radio show and podcast in Britain. I vowed then to feature a cut from his show, and I finally got one that's mostly understandable to the American ear and which should be eminently familiar to a British audience. In this clip, Alex's guest was English comedian Stu Francis. It seems the show, in trying to research Stu, had actually gotten to the website of Stuart Francis, a Canadian comic. Then they got into a discussion about Stu's catchphrases, which are apparently his hallmark.
6: There is, of course, Stu Francis, who we're speaking about today, legendary yeah. comedian, and yeah. Stuart Francis, no connection whatsoever. We were looking no. at the wrong website, don't worry. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, just, no, no connection
0: whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. I, I, actually... I thought you got
6: very quiet there, Stu, for a moment. No, you know, we we were quiet too. You
0: know what? A, a few weeks ago, I actually, uh, I actually heard him, uh, the, the other Stuart Francis, yeah. the, uh, the Canadian guy, being interviewed uh, with uh, Sir Terry Wogan. It mm. uh, was on Wogan, and uh, Wogan said the same thing. He said, uh, "Stuart Francis, not to be confused with Stu Francis." Exactly. And the other Stuart Francis immediately rattled off a load of my catchphrases. <laughs> so Wogan said to him, "You've done your homework." Oh, he said, "I can jump off a doll's house." And I thought, well, there you go. Mm. That's a Canadian comic,
6: yeah. I mean, there's, there's even, can you believe this, on the way, whatever happened to Stu Francis, former presenter of Cracker Jack? He's he joined the midweek drive team, obviously. It's astounding.
0: You, <laughs> you better believe it, yeah, yeah. It's hey, funny you pl- that, isn't it? If, you, if you're not on the television, people think you've died. <laughs>
6: <You passed on. laughs> I know. It's shocking. But nevertheless, Stu, you'll always be alive once we work through that. Now, listen, Basil Brush. Boom, boom. All, oh, I mean, we, we're trailing ahead to this piece with uh, Andrew David and uh, the uh, the Doc Nigel Bickerton on Monday's show. And, you know, what was it... What, I mean, without giving away too much, because clearly you could say, well, I prefer working with Kermit the Frog, or could work with other puppets, obviously, other yeah. puppets. are over. But with, with, with Basil himself, you know, well, did you sort of... Did you bond? Did you sort of think what the heck am I doing with this, or did you prefer sooty?
0: No, I'll tell you, you know, Basil, it was brilliant. Um, Ivan, who was uh, Basil's mentor, he, he used to always say, when we were doing the rehearsals, at, 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 when we were on Cracker when he was on Cracker Jack with me, t- doing the actual rehearsals, um, the technical runs and that, not, not only on camera, but doing the rehearsals, you always had to speak to Basil. You couldn't speak to Ivan, you had to speak to battle, so it became sort of uh, the norm, me talking to this uh, little fox, and he, he would speak back, even if I asked Ivan a question, I'd talk to the fox, and the fox would answer for Ivan, mm. it was amazing, it was brilliant to work with, it really was, It's a great. It's great character.
6: You 'll be pleased to know now we 've pulled up some images for Stu Francis, and I think Holly and Gabriella we can now see some distinctive differences mm-hmm. there and, and you know, I think, you know, John could say that's Stu Francis yes. other one completely different you know <laughs> Gabriella, questions from yourself
0: um. How did you make up all these catchphrases? I'm quite interested in that. How do you,
7: Well, just pop into it's your always, head one day? Y- like y- you Just know wake what? up and exactly. think, oh, yeah. say, ooh. In a, in a
6: yeah. few moments' time, obviously, we'll be asking the two final questions to uh, Stu, yeah. uh, which, which are you know, the classic, you know, have you had an interesting telephonic chat? Are you coming back again? Yeah. You know, they're, they're sorted through. They're the kind of catchphrases, but you're quite right. You can never actually do without a decent catchphrase. So, yeah, Stu, how did you come up with those catchphrases?
0: Well, the, the actual... The original one was, oh, I could crush I'm so excited I could crush a grape. And I was working at, I was doing a, a theatre club, and uh, it was in Stoke-on-Trent, a place called Jolly's, which I don't think is there anymore, but however, and there was a big party of ladies at the front, and uh, they were all laughing, laughing away, and they were uh, sort of, a couple of them were sort of recycled teenagers, and uh, these ladies were laughing away, and I just said to one of these ladies, Are you all right? She said, oh, you fool, we are, we're having a good time, we're having a great time. And I struck up a conversation while I'm on stage with this lady. It didn't only for a couple of minutes, but it seemed an eternity. And I said, so you're enjoying yourself? She said, oh, we are, we're all excited, we're here, we're so excited. And I leaned over the table and I said, so am I, madam. I'm so excited, I could, I could, I could. And in a millionth of a second, I thought, what am I going to say? You know, my brain's telling me I've gone down a cold site. And the room went silent as though, what's he going to say to this lady? And I went right over the table. I said, I'm so excited. You know, I could, I could, ooh, I could crush a grape. <laughs> and the, the place went up again. And, and, that, and that is literally how it came about. And it stuck.
2: You'll find Alex and the gang over at southsidebroadcasting.podbean.com. This show, incidentally, is coming to you live from, uh, well, not live, it's recorded, of course, from Studio F, my Fiat 500. Uh, it's the dark of night as I uh, as I lay down these tracks. And uh, one of these days we're going to get back into Studio P uh, for the regular show. We still get up there, of course, for uh, a number of reasons, but it's been a while since we've done a show there. Uh, our engineer producer, Joe Polino, has been very busy. He does a lot of voiceover work and other engineering stuff. So um, we are in Studio F. For this show, I hope you don't mind. The audio quality is actually better than some of the other places I've recorded in. You know, I jumped into the clip so quickly this episode that I bet you think I forgot.
1: The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast
0: List.
2: <laughs> but I didn't. Voting is closed, by the way, for the second annual Stitcher Awards. Who won? I'll find out on Thursday night when I attend the awards show here in San Francisco. And I will post the winning shows up on Suckatashow.com. I'll probably also announce them next episode, but I'm always so horribly late that you will probably know who the winners are by then. For right now, let's find out which of the comedy podcasts moved the most, either up or down, the Stitcher Top 100 comedy podcast list this last week. At 28, The Crab Feast with Ryan Wickler and Jay Larson is up six places. At number 34, Bert's Podcast is up 12 places. At 36, Smodcast, Jay and Silent Bob Get Old, is down 10 places. At number 44, Keith and the Girl Comedy Podcast has slipped 11 places. At 48, What About You is up 6 places. At number 62, About Last Night has jumped 31 places. At 75, How Was Your Week with Julie Klausner, up 30 places. Uh, Vaulting into the top 100 at 85, the Almost a Show podcast has gained 181 places this past week. Uh, Even more than that, but at 89, the Half-Assed podcast with Gary and John, up 295 places. And finally at 94, Out of the Box podcast has dropped 11 places. And Suckatash seems to have actually benefited by missing a week. Apparently, as we are hanging out now at number 5945, on the Stitcher comedy list, which is up 1,616 places since last episode. Yay! We should stay away more often. And that's...
1: The 10 Most Active Shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy
8: Podcast List!
2: The first month of 2014 is starting out a little slow for Succotash, but with tremendous promise. Our announcer Bill Haywood is back in the recording studio cutting some fresh Henderson's Pants commercials and also a slightly new intro and outro to the show. You see, I had to have him add our associate producer Tyson Sainer to the closing credits because what we lack in pay at Succotash, we make up for in on-pod mentions. And they are worth every cent. If all goes according to plan, Tyson will be co-hosting uh, the next episode up, Epi 81, with me. He'll bring in a handful of clips he's found. I'll do the same. Then we'll Skype it up and have some fun. For right now, while we're waiting to get to our chat with Paul Mercurio, let's get into this week's clips.
9: Hey, this is Ethan of Combat Radio. Now, most of you have absolutely no taste when it comes to radio, so I'm going to correct all that. Listen to The Suckatash Show, the comedy podcast, podcast, and get your life together.
2: I'm really excited about this next clip. This show is recommended to us via Twitter. Now I think it was Davian Dent from the Bitter Sound podcast. Actually, I hope I'm getting that right. Anyway, in real time on Twitter, I asked Tyson to go grab a clip, which he did. But I ended up listening to the whole episode, and I got to tell you that if you if you're tasting comedy runs in the Monty Python slash Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy vein, this show has got to be on your subscribe list. Man by Cow is from England and features two guys, Rufus and Howard. Last names undiscoverable so far. And in this clip, the guys are mucking about with a clairvoyant tea kettle. Good
10: morning, Master Howd. I've water for your tea, sir, and here's your muffins. Thanks, Kettle, but I, I don't really like boiled muffins. I predict that if you try them, you will like them. But I'm not going to try them. I predict that you will. Hey, these muffins are nice. Here, what's the weather going to be like today? Sunny and mild, with clear skies, except for a few white clouds, which will pass over between 1.14 and one forty-nine. Yeah,
11: I think I'll stay at home then. Don't want to risk getting caught out by those clouds.
10: In 16 seconds, you'll knock that glass off the counter, then Rufus will arrive with an idea which he will refuse to accept as a bad idea, although it is. A man dressed as a clown will be hit by a car on the Euston Road later, and civil war is going to break out in the Central American Republic of... Yeah, all right, kettle.
11: I don't need to know every little thing that's going to happen in the whole world. (laughs) Dammit! Hey,
12: Howard, 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 Howard. I've had an idea. Yeah,
11: I know. The kettle said you were going to say that. I'm sick of that kettle. Can't we just get a regular one? What was you that said you wanted a clairvoyant kettle. No, it wasn't. Oh, excuse me. Kettle, would you play the relevant recording, please?
12: You know what, Uncle Norbert? I reckon I spend about 15 minutes a day just waiting for this kettle to boil. I'll tell you what would be good, right? A kettle that can predict the future so that it knows when you want a cup of tea and boils the water ready for you. That was just a throwaway comment. I didn't know he was actually going to build one. Oh, yeah? Well,
11: you should have known better after what I'm last time when you said, Hey, Uncle Norbert, wouldn't it be great if we had a toaster that could murder Auntie Beatrix with knives? I never said that. Kettle?
12: I can't believe Auntie Beatrix has broken another toaster. Hey, you know what, Uncle Norbert? what we need, right, is a toaster that can defend itself against whatever it is she's doing to them. Why does the kettle have access to all our old podcast recordings? It's networked itself to everything.
10: I can fix things before they go wrong. This morning I stopped the time fridge from exploding and taking half the street with it and maybe even destroying time itself. Amazing.
11: How did you do that?
10: I defrosted it.
11: So the time fridge is working. Oh, Brilliant. I'm going to go back in time right now and shoot my granddad. Hang on, I've still got to tell you my idea. It won't work. W- why don't you tell the listener because I've got some serious shooting to do. Well hang on have we started already? Yeah yeah I thought the listener might be interested in Howard's morning routine you know Howard gets up Howard drinks tea Howard suddenly stops existing and he doesn't
12: know why Howard goes back to bed again. Fine. Well, hello, listener. It's Rufus here, the nice one off the podcast. Uh, You might not know this, but our great-auntie Beatrix... May she rest in hell. God roast her soul, yes. She used to have her own podcast in which she answered people's personal problems. You know, kind of like an agony aunt in a newspaper, but more racist. The thing is, since she died, we've still been getting letters, and I'm a bit worried about all those poor souls out there with no one to help them. Rufus, did you ever hear podcasts? Not as such, no. Kettle? One
10: moment. Downloading now. Winding for. for an example of Great Auntie Beatrix's advice.
11: Why not go and live in a barrel? Hit it with a monkey. Try bending over and seeing what comes out. This looks like a case of donkey dick death. I like putting jam on things.
12: Yeah, well, it won't be difficult to keep up a similar quality of advice, then, will it? Now, leave me alone for a bit. I'm going to record episode one of Agony Hour with me, Great Auntie Rufus. <laughs> Ready to go. And welcome to Agony Hour with me, Auntie Rufus. Our first letter is from Edgar in Bradfield and he says, Dear Auntie Rufus, I have a weight gain problem. Whenever I put on weight it goes straight to my head. Which, because I have a habit of eating chocolate and cheese stuffed bacon pasties with large sprinkles on them, means I have a massive wobbly head flapping about on top of a spindly little body so that I look like a rubber johnny full of custard balanced on top of a twig. I'm worried that because of my flabby noggin, women might be repulsed by me and will never let me play shirt tennis with their hanging gardens of boobilon. Well, Edgar, I'm assuming you've tried the obvious solutions, like head liposuction and head anorexia, so what you need to do is you've got to get a chisel, right? Rufus! Got to Rufus! Do... I've, got, I've got a letter! What? Howard, sod off! I'm doing my solo programme. <laughs> check me out, check me out. I'm an agony
11: aunt too. Dear Howard, I love bacon. I mean, I really love it. I reckon I eat about four pigs a week. It's so freaking tasty. Until recently, I was fine with this, but then someone told me you are what you eat, and I started to worry. Am I? 874 pigs? You wrote that yourself, you git. I never. Look, I've Got another one here actually. Here we go. Dear Howard. In my life, I've had sex 18,241 times, and I've regretted it six hundred and fifty-nine times. Fortunately, only six of those regrets
2: had a head. It's easy to get to that show. It's manbycow.com, and that's buy as in purchases, B-U-Y, and it's all run together manbycow.com. Like most of the other podcasts on Succotash, you can get it from iTunes, you can get it from Stitcher, and they're also on YouTube. Plus, I'm reviewing it this week for This Week in Comedy Podcasts over on Splitsider.com. This next segment comes from Noobs Radio, and it's not a comedy podcast, really. But the host, Eric Newby, is a supporter of Suckatash, and I told him I can pull some strings and get a clip of his show on this episode. He has a lot of musicians on, and he sent in this clip from last summer with his guest, singer Jonathan Richmond because he felt it, quote, explains what we do for your listeners, unquote. Gotta love that. It means I can shut up and let her roll. Here's Noobs, N E W B S, Noobs Radio. Uh, you know what? You're right.
13: It's not a botany podcast, but everything is connected. And even botany can connect one rock band <laughs> to another. I don't even know. I'm going to prove Botany that. is what? Okay. <laughs> isn't it arborism or something? Arbor- yeah. This isn't an arborism podcast. Arbor- Arborality. Arborality. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. All right. All right. I will hear you out. Okay, okay, so the Joshua Tree, it grows in only one part of the world, southwest US, in the Mojave Desert, which sort of spans between Arizona and Nevada and California, but just pushes up a little bit into Utah there. So for the most part, they grow in an area. And so to protect them from deforestation, the Joshua Tree National Park was created, which is where the shots of the cover and inner sleeve of U2's Joshua Tree were taken. Okay, great, but, but what does this have to do with Jonathan Richmond? Well, it doesn't really have anything to do with Jonathan Richmond. That's the thing. Uh, We really are pushing time here. But do you remember when you described the tragic end of Graham Parsons in our very, very first episode? I sure
4: do, yeah. He died of a morphine and alcohol overdose in the park, and his body was stolen from the Los Angeles International Airport by Phil Kaufman, and he was set on fire back in the park the very next day.
13: Yeah, that's the story. So what does this have to do with Jonathan Richmond? Well, what if I told you that by all accounts... Before Graham Parsons' final trip into Joshua Tree National Park, he played a round of mini golf with his friend Jonathan Richmond. <laughs> yes, I don't know what I. Would think. So,
4: I mean, I guess way back uh, when we were talking about the modern original Modern Lovers record in '81, you mentioned that a friend of Richmond's had passed away, uh, making it impossible for him to record with John Cale in '73. Uh, that friend was Graham Parsons. You got it. And I believe that makes us... We did, did it. it!
1: We, did, we it. did it! We did it!
11: <laughs> Woo!
4: Amazing. Uh, now, so you promised us... Uh, well, we've done it. Uh, you, you promised us a track uh, produced by Kim Fowley. Uh, it's the fabulous Miss Wendy, uh, and her track No One Can Stop Me. But before we do that, should we give them a little recap? Agreed. Agreed. Here we go. So we started with Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers. Um, from there we went to Kim Fowley, who produced early tracks with the Modern Lovers in 1981. Kim Fowley... Also was instrumental in assembling The Runaways, Joan Jett's first band. Joan Jett went solo in the early 80s and covered Richard Berry's Louie Louie during the sessions for her debut album with the Blackhearts' I Love Rock and
13: Roll. David, you gave us a great background on the song Louie Louie, including its riffs connections to Pete Townsend and Ray Davies of the Kinks. And we wasted no time in pointing out that only a few
4: rock bands have graced the cover of Time magazine, uh, including The Who and U2. U2 had an album called The Joshua Tree, named after joshua tree national park which is where the all-country original graham parsons passed away in 1973 the day after he had played a round of mini golf with our man jonathan richmond
2: we did Woo! it eric Newby and his guests are easy enough to find at noobsradio.com you just have to remember that that is spelled n-e-w-b-s noobs give it a go won't you I interviewed the host of the Proudly Resents podcast, Adam Spiegelman, during the L.A. Podcast Festival a few months ago. You might remember that episode. Well, he's been back in New York this month for the New York Podcast Festival, and he did a live tribute to Troma Films, which I reviewed in last week's This Week in Comedy Podcasts. Well, then he interviewed the co-founder of Troma Films, Lloyd Kaufman, who's a genius of the ultra-low-budget film. In this clip, he reveals how they can afford to keep flipping and exploding cars in trauma
5: films, as well as how to crush a head on screen. Take notes. One YouTube channel has 250 free Troma movies, wonderful movies, totally free. We have another channel, which is called the Make Your Own Damn Movie Channel. That's got a lot of my lessons. For example, let's say you want to crush a head like Toxic Avenger or the famous full head crushing scene. You take a cantaloupe. You uh, carve out the inside, then you load what we call loading the cam- cantaloupe. You put in—we uh, used to put in uh, hamburger uh, mixed with cranberry sauce, but now because I'm a vegetarian, it's only cranberry and spaghetti and things that are not animal. Then you put a wig on the cantaloupe and paint a little happy face. Bingo! You—that's uh, how we crushed the head in uh, the Toxic Avenger. So there are many uh, wonderful secrets, but you mustn't. Uh, whatever you do, do not tell George Lucas about this. Why hasn't he done that? I don't tell them. It's a oh, secret. Yeah, they're, know. They're, they're the trauma secrets, uh, the high-tech uh, uh, fans enjoy the fact that uh, uh, we have a certain car flip in uh, our movies, which people which think uh, they look very similar, the car flips, uh, in about eight of the uh, last 15 years <laughs> of trauma. Ever since, I guess, no, for 20 years, uh, the, there's a car flip in every movie, and people think it's all the same car flip, but we, what we do is we have the car flip and crash and blow up the exact same way and we do we just keep creating this amazing stunt uh slightly different each time but people think it's the same car how flip. do you
10: get an 80s corolla to look like that the same way i mean it must be hard to find that same car for the as 80s
5: it was a 70s because oh, we had to find a junk car in 1980s uh-huh. the 70 cars were the junk cars that nobody cared about now to try to get a 70s car to match this car flip it nobody wants to give it to you because those cars are all collectible. so right. uh, the continuity gets worse and worse and worse and at some point i'm going to have a motorcycle uh, <laughs> g- cut to that car flip we have a guy on a motorcycle yeah. cut to three people in a car flip <laughs> up in the air flipping or something
10: and that's what they want to see
5: well at least our fans they enjoy that they they enjoy kind of in they enjoy traveling through with us as almost part of the sort of part of the filmmaking experience. They kind of make the movie in their heads while they're watching it a little bit because they can see the rough edges. They might be able to see that the head is... They'll be looking, is that head a watermelon or is it a cantaloupe, like Lloyd says, (laughs) because Lloyd fired some kid for bringing a watermelon. What's the
3: difference? Why was it so bad? The
5: watermelon doesn't break the same way. The, 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 The cantaloupe has a more flesh feel to it. The uh-huh. watermelon cracks and, and uh, when we did uh, Trey Parker's head crushing in uh, Tales from the Crapper, the kid brought the wrong... I told him, get cantaloupe, get cantaloupe. At the worst, get a cranshaw melon. But he brought back watermelons. He was you fired. know, penalized. Well, he wasn't fired, but he was
2: I think he cried. Adam runs a low-key, informal podcast, which is a nice change of pace from some of the frenetic talkers out there. He focuses on culty small films, and you can get more at his home site, proudlyresents.com. All right, just a few more things to get to before we visit with Paul Mercurio. We've got a probably longer-than-usual show today, but if you don't like it, well, feel free to pause it and listen to the rest later. It won't cost you any more than to listen to it all the way through. The same day I got word about the Man by Cow podcast, At Good Podcasts on Twitter suggested we give a listen to the John Dredge Nothing to Do with Anything show. I was game. At Good Podcasts never steers us wrong. And John Dredge himself has retweeted some of our tweets. So Tyson Saner pulled down a clip from a recent episode and, ah, pure audio hilarious weirdness ensued. Starring John Dredge, Anna Emerson from the Boone Jennies, Greg Haste from Haste and Lawrence, and sounding a lot like Greg Proops putting on a British accent, along with James Shakestaff.
14: doll terrifyingly bad productions present the aliens that came from a completely different planet to earth episode 2 the things that were to come later start happening sooner than expected
7: Jim. We must get away from the aliens
15: before it's too late. Yes, Vera, we've got to get away from the aliens before it's too late.
7: That's exactly what I just said, Jim.
15: Not exactly, Vera, just very, very similar.
7: Quick, there's no time to lose. Yes,
15: we must run back to the house before it's too late.
7: away from home, aren't we, Jim?
15: Longer than I remember, Vera. Longer than I remember. Oh, here we are. No, we're not.
7: Jim, let's stop for a moment.
15: Good idea.
7: On second thoughts, let's keep going
15: we could stop. Vera, look! The aliens are blowing up everything in their path with an optical laser beam effect added in post-production. Oh,
7: Jim, it's all just so frightfully awful.
15: I know, Vera. Blame the film researcher for picking out the wrong kind of stock footage. My God, it looks like we're the only two people left in the whole of Frinton. In that case, I might just nip in the post office while the
7: queues are a bit shorter. Oh, but hold on. If I'm in there all morning, how will you defeat the aliens all by yourself?
15: Let me think. Hmm. Well? I'm still thinking. Hmm. Okay, I've finished thinking. And? I couldn't think of anything. I was too preoccupied with this abandoned vehicle.
7: We should report it to the council. Or or we could use it to get to safety. Yes, and then report it to the council.
15: Quick, Vera, jump in
14: before it's too late. And so Vera and Jim travelled to the nearby town of Clacton, where they would link up with Captain Frank Rogers of the Flying Saucer Investigations Unit before it was too
9: late. I'm afraid it's just as you suspected, Jim. You mean... No. No, the aliens have indeed destroyed the whole of Frinton. It's a miracle you both escaped unharmed. Luckily, we were able to get out of the way. If only everyone else had thought of that. Wait, listen. Great Scott, someone's put the wrong music on. (laughs) That's better. Or is it...
7: But Captain Rogers... Why are the aliens so hostile towards Frindon, of all places? It just doesn't make sense.
9: You know, Vera, a lot of things don't make sense in this crazy world. A purple sock that can sing the national anthem, for example. Or a fish playing the ukulele.
7: I never thought of it like that before.
9: Hello? Yes, I don't believe it. It can't be. Have a nice day. I've just been informed that the alien spacecraft is hovering right above us here at the Flying Saucer Investigations Unit. They must have followed us. Great, Scott, again, that can only mean one thing. They're going to attack and they're going to do it now. That's two things. Okay, so I was one out. But if we can attack the spacecraft with all the firepower the army possesses, we might just stand a chance. You mean... Yes. If we can attack the spacecraft with all the firepower the army possesses, we might just stand a
14: chance. I thought that's what you meant, Jeff. Frank! Does Captain Frank Rogers really stand a chance with all the firepower the army possesses, or is it all just machismo? Can the aliens be defeated? What will happen to Vera and Jeff? Jim! Why are there so many holes in the plot? Who put on the wrong music? And whatever happened to Jeff? Jim! No, Jeff. Oh, right. What will the council do about the abandoned milk float? Where can I find these mysterious fish that can play the ukulele? And why haven't I seen them on Britain's Got Talent? All this and much more will probably be completely forgotten about in our next catastrophic episode.
2: Needless to say, that is up on my subscribe list now, too. The URL is too long for me to read and not screw up, so you can click on it at this episode's blog at succotashshow.com or just type John Dredge, D-R-E-D-G-E, show into Google. You'll find it. We're going to jump into the tweet sack in a minute, but first, this word from our sponsor.
1: Hello, friends. Whether you are a believer or not in all of this global climate change malarkey, there's no denying that the world's weather has taken on an odd end of day's look and feel. A day that's bright and balmy one moment can change into a dark and stormy with no warning at all. Which is why the design team at Henderson's Pants has come up with a new exciting breakthrough. poncho Poncho pants. Yes, for the first time in trouser history, or trousery as we like to say, you can own a stylish pair of pants fit for any business meeting or social occasion, which is also equipped with a sturdy pullover poncho that not only comes with a hood, but is 100% waterproof to boot. The poncho, super thin and made of high-density mylar, is compressed using Henderson's patented micro-fold technology, and tucked into the rear waistband of the pants. Now, at the first drop of moisture, simply reach behind your own back like this and with a good stiff yank on the poncho as if giving yourself, how, oh, a Melvin or a wedgie? Well, you unfurl the garment, oh, this hurts. Un- sorry, unfurl the garment over your head and down in front of yourself. You'll be as right as rain and dry as a bone ready to get on with the business at hand. Henderson's poncho pants are perfect for both men and women. Be sure to check out our other foul-weather garments, the skinny jean serape, the coverall cords, and our denim and duster western combo. Originally designed for Neil Sedaka, Gene Kelly, Creedence Clearwater Revival, and anyone else who gets those references. <laughs> Henderson's poncho, poncho pants, pants are available anywhere cold fronts and warm fronts like to smack into each other. That's Henderson's dressing on the left and on the right since 1837 because we're just that big. And now back to Sakatash.
2: You like how I leave that hole there, like the sponsor might be somebody other than Henderson's Pants? Ah, Anyway, I'm going to speed through the tweet sack this episode. Sorry, Tweety. But I really want to get to my chat with Paul Mercurio, so apologies if I don't get to name everyone who mentioned us on Twitter in the past week or so. But Wednesday night this week, I'm going to be interviewed by Chris Lanuti of the Broadcast Basement. I will let you know when that drops, if I don't screw it up. I was able to tweet up a get-together with Hal Lublin, the announcer from the Thrilling Adventure Hour podcast, who we talked to last year at the San Francisco Sketch Fest. Well, we sat down this past weekend and chatted as he was on his way to rehearsal for their two shows that was on uh, Saturday at the 13th, 14th annual San Francisco Sketchfest that's going on now. Probably going to hold that talk until the episode after next, however... Greg Proops promises that he'll sit still for an interview one of these days. Have yet to have it happen, but it will. It will. It will? Sure, it will. And Christopher Titus is another very busy guy who, nonetheless, says he'll do an interview with us soon, too. All right. Let's see how many names I can squeeze in here of the people who have been so kind to have mentioned, retweeted, favorited, followed, or otherwise got succotash into a message on Twitter. Shane Gray EBooks, podcast in the woods... Jeffrey Welchman, Amish Baby Machine, Brant Tobler, Wayne Baglin, Tofay, NDO Techno, Screams and Moans, Caleb Eats Bacon, Spelling Patrol, Dorktown Podcast, Jordan Brady, Saggy Pants, Salty Language Pod, Rochelle Melchin, Cara Tramontano, The Pod Mafia, Laura Sainer, Dave Nelson, Loot Crate, fake and curry iron chef mexican bill duran soundscriber kurtzo brian malika talking rubbish brit and american wrong foot podcast cool beans pod awful program sup dude podcast turk reno and the conrad and jack show there's your tweet sack. I usually catch when somebody mentions at Succotash Show in the Twitch stream, but if you want to be sure I read what you have to say, feel free to shoot off an email to me at mark, that's M-A-R-C, at com. John Anilio is a singer, songwriter, podcaster who we've featured a number of times here, and we've even had him on for an interview before. In fact, I was on his show as well, The Functional Nerds, for an interview as well. Toward the second half of last year, John stepped away from his usual stock-in-trade, sci-fi and fantasy-based novelty songs, in order to get back to doing some more serious stuff. Here's a piece I like a lot from his new Walk the Fire album, entitled The Ferryman. Matthew lives in an
8: apartment in Queens, works for the Gotham Gazette. writes sci-fi novels about space marines, but no one has published them. On his day off he went to a museum To see an exhibit from France A flame burning bright for a millennium He bathed in its strange radiance He stares in wonder sound he Stares and wonder sound Will he walk through the fire and step into the flame? Will he journey into the unknown? Will he sing with the choir and join in the refrain? Will the ferryman take him home? Will the ferryman take him home? Nathan mines ore from a crater on Mars To help build the generation ships. Five years they'll leave for a faraway star Bark on their hundred year trip To spread the flame far and wide Spread the flame far and wide So they can walk through the fire And step into the flame They can journey into the unknown They can sing with the choir And join in the refrain Captain of the Starlight Queen The biggest ship in the galaxy he Plots out a course on the navigation screen Heads off to Alpha Centauri But the flame will call him home. The flame will call him more. Will he walk through the fire and step into the flame
2: There's The Ferryman by John Anilio from his new album, Walk the Fire, which you can grab at his home site, johnanilio.com. The link is also up on this episode's blog at succotashshow.com, and it's also at bandcamp.com. All right, time for Paul Mercurio. He was in San Francisco headlining the punchline last week, and we were finally able to coordinate schedules in the last half hour that he was in town before heading to the airport. It was a close call. We could have talked for two hours or more. Guy's fascinating, and I'm sure we will in the future, but we still covered a lot of ground in the time that we had. Here's Paul Mercurio.
3: How's your visit been? It's been good. I, uh, I don't think things have been great in San Francisco. I just had a great time. We've been staying out late the last couple of nights, so... Uh, a little hungover but I'm okay
2: good. be able to fl- sleep on the plane yeah yeah
3: yeah i'm going to la so oh okay i'm going down there for for like uh, <coughs> um, just a couple of days oh okay uh, kind of uh, hang out go to meetings and stuff like that so yeah. okay you
2: got yeah, stuff yeah. in the works so you just yeah gotta... yeah
3: okay yeah. cool one of my shows i got to meet with somebody who Warner brothers a writer there about it and another one of my shows too two different shows. So, okay, excellent. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I'm good. Psyched, yeah.
2: And then what's your involvement these days with uh, The Daily Show, Colbert Report, things like doing that? Doing a warm-up
3: for them, and, you know, um, I'm so busy with everything else that I'm kind of doing... Still doing stuff there, but less and less because I've just been traveling, and I've got, you know, my touring, and then I've got a lot of TV appearances, so I'm going to go on... Uh, I'm going back on Fox News next week, and I've got... Uh, two shows that I created that are getting developed out of LA, so I basically am like, I gotta just run around the country. I go to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, to the Improv there in a couple of weeks. Okay. So I'm like kind of all over the place. So it's like, um, they kind of let me come and go, which is nice. You know, they understand that. You know, we're we're just just stuff's happening so like yeah you got to, you know building this kind of momentum and keep it going you know it's like we got to yeah. like seize the opportunity you know
2: so you're kind of in a interesting spot because your your particular comedy background allows you entrance into things like fox news and things like that which are yeah sort and, of a plat- and
3: sports too like i totally, okay i went on comcast sports net here in san francisco and uh actually give you the link I sent. The, did this really cool segment with them where I actually kind of was like a s- funny sports commentator and I wrote material over the last couple of days about the Niners and, okay. the, and all that and did jokes about the Niners and Harbaugh and this and that and they love it because instead of just being another comic coming on and just doing his act which is fine I customize it to them and their listeners and that they really care about that, you know.
2: Yeah, so is that something you consciously started out doing or was it like I mean, did you you sort of go, hey there's no comics doing this if I I can point myself. Yeah, well basically
3: because of the Daily Show, what I found was like sports is a huge, we satirize not just the Daily Show but in general through stand-up, weekend update, whatever there's a tradition of satirizing different parts of our culture, right? News Uh, entertainment entertainment, pop culture just your everyday life trying to buy a bag you know whatever handbag whatever but sports eat religion right but sports is the one area that nobody was really satirizing in a smart funny way traditionally comedy built around sports was a tailgate sketch, a hacky tailgate sketch involving three fat guys doing fart and beer jokes, right? True, which everyone loves, Which everyone, who doesn't love that, you know, (laughs) seeing your dad and your two uncles. (laughs) And, And I'm like, well, it's such a huge part of our culture, it cuts across all races, ethnicities, it's gender neutral, men and women like sports, and there's all of these crazy issues going on in sports off the field that speak to our culture why aren't we satirizing that in a smart yeah. funny way like the daily shows done or weekend update or whatever so that's what i started to do so um i did a uh, sports uh, comedy series for uh, hbo okay. got no game right which people can see on uh, youtube now there's all these different segments up and you know like i did a piece on race and sports and through the comedy you can make commentary so there's always this conversation of like oh you know um there's always this conversation of like there should be more diversity within sports like there should be more blacks in hockey and more whites in basketball and And the premise of the piece is no because in the 1950s there was a secret high-level meeting where the races got together each represented and they divvied up every sport forever (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, then it, and then it's the negotiation. So we did it in black and uh, white. Funny, yeah, and we, it looks beautiful. Mary Carrillo's in it. I'm so proud of it. It's called Got No Game is the name of the series. Okay. It's called Race and Sports. People can see it on YouTube. Gentlemen, Google. gentlemen, please. We've been at this all night. We have to come to some agreement. Otherwise, we're going to end up with black golfers, female race car drivers, and boxers who aren't Italian or even Irish.
13: We've got a deal on the table.
3: Football for hockey. Fine, take it. No, wait! But We got hockey. It's the sport of the future. It's the best of figure skating and boxing. It's fine, guys. Deal. But, the whites keep quarterback. Oh, no. We want every position. But without white quarterbacks, who's going to open our steak houses and car dealerships? <laughs> what about the Indians? We like baseball too. You guys get logos.
2: Can I freshen anyone's cup? Uh,
3: that reminds me, we gotta give the women something. You were talking about tennis earlier? Good, yes, yeah. so miss? Carrillo. Sweetie, you gals get tennis. Next up, water polo. You cannot be serious. I'm totally serious. Everybody knows we do our best work on our backs. That's true, yeah. We want luge. No. no! We have losed! No. We, we have been over the it! And then I've got one where A couple of segments were like, Do you ever wonder what's going on when the referee goes under the hood mm. and then he goes under the hood, I play the referee, and then it transports me through time to these <laughs> other things. So it's sort of a way to have fun with comedy in a smart, funny way. So now I can go on these different... I've developed some street cred and I can go on. I go on you know, ESPN on Sports Nation and this and that and, like, can sort of be the guy who's the commentator. Did a show for Comedy Central um, that takes what's going on in sports off the field, like the steroid use or gambling mm-hmm. or womanizing and this all this stuff that speaks to just behavior and culture in general. Yeah. right? And, like... You know, a guy that decides he's going to break the rules like A Rod or Ryan Braun and use steroids, and then even when he's told, when he admits that he didn't do it and then he does it again, it's like sociopathic lying. Like, it speaks to behavior that's non sports, and that's yes. what I'm trying to do is transport us from the conversation of, okay, this is an incident that happened about sports. A guy took steroids. Okay, that's specifically sports, but his behavior, behavior behind is, it speaks yeah, to yeah. A, a larger social. general social thing. Yeah so that's what I think you can do and that's why I introduce conversations in my you know I talk about Manti Teo who's a linebacker for, the Nord, for Notre Dame this is a guy just not even a year ago he's in the NFL now but he was up for the Heisman Trophy and I believe and he supposedly had an online right, the invented you know, girlfriend yeah for people who don't know he had a two year online affair with an invented girlfriend and, it was, and he said it was a hoax perpetrated on him like he the woman didn't exist he was going to marry her she had leukemia. Didn't go visit her during cancer treatments, and so the joke that I tell is and talk about is that whole thing smacked of suspicious. The first minute you hear, you're a handsome guy. You got everybody whine. You meet a woman online. You're not going to have sex with her. You're going to marry her. You don't go visit her. She has leukemia. You didn't know she exists. I think he was in on it, and he was in on it, so that he could get sympathy votes for the Heisman Trophy. I think they created the story, wow. and I know that's what I think. Yeah. And then I say, if you think about it, like. Who? and the woman apparently said to him oh don't come visit me even though I'm going through cancer treatments uh, play your football games like where does this woman exist on the planet my wife has a hang up I can't watch football on Sunday <laughs> and and who treats a woman like this you go visit her during cancer treatment like OJ treated women better than this yeah. <laughs> at least OJ was there when his wife died <laughs> and what I say about this is no one questioned him in the media, like ESPN interviewed him, and the guy didn't sit there and go, do you understand, Manti, that this sounds a little odd to the average guy sitting on his couch at home, <laughs> that you would engage in a two-year of, of online affair with a woman you never meet and decide you're going to marry her not visit her during chemo treatments, that something doesn't smell right, it doesn't pass the smell test. And no one said that to him. Yeah. So my job is to make a comment on his bullshit, but then also call out the media's bullshit and not letting and letting him slide now maybe they did it because they don't want to upset Notre Dame football because they have a big contract with them or whatever huh. but that's kind of what this can be yeah, you know? yeah, yeah so that's that's
2: were you uh, was there any inspiration for you to sort of seek out various niches did you see somebody else's career and go hey they're they're
3: being smart about what they're doing well a little bit only not because of somebody else but just knowing that I developed the skill set from the Daily Show, being able to like write and produce comedy around topical issues. Mm-hmm. And by produce, I mean like understand how to use graphics to help the jokes and all of that kind of stuff—funny pictures and stuff. And I did see from a business point of view, like no different than selling flavored water, right? You have right. Say you say you like worked thirty years selling Coca Cola as a salesman, and you realize. there's a niche that doesn't exist there's water and there's soda but there's not flavored water and I'm going to go and I'm going to go seek out that niche and build a brand in that niche it's exactly the same thing with sports comedy it's like there's sports there's comedy there's comedy around all these other areas of our culture but there's there's conversation in sports that's dominating the mainstream news A-Rod's a it's not a conversation that's just a story that's just getting reported on ESPN it's on the nightly news on NBC it's on CNN it's, it's crossing all lines as news so I saw that as a niche that could be uh, exploited in a good way Right. Um, so it wasn't so much because somebody else was doing it as it just well, didn't really exist as something as a as a product if you were right. saying, like, I could I could create that product
2: well either fortuitously or by design I was talking to somebody recently about the shift in the radio market and it's moved away from right wing talk radio to sports which has become viewed as sort of neutral, it doesn't piss a lot of people off, Yeah, within that sports you can get some political commentary and things like that but you see all these radio stations across the country turning to sports talk radio because it's sort of Politically neutral. Yeah. So you yeah. know you you've kind of gotten into this sweet spot now where were you want in a position to want to do it you could you could call up almost any radio market in the country and talk to the top rated station in that market yeah and say I've got
3: something relevant for you whether you're gonna syndicate yeah and I can I can legitimately show them my work my links and they can see oh okay this guy like I'm gonna put this thing I did for Comcast Sportsnet in my reel whatever because. It's just me with the host sitting at the desk. It looks like a segment from ESPN, and you know yeah. I'm, you know, just doing my thing and making. It's showing that you can make fairly you know, you can make funny jokes about just any host of things. You know, in this case, there's not really a lot of controversy around the 49ers, so we basically, um, I have like, you know, that scenario. But you know, I'm spread so thin. There's a million things I want to do. You sure. know, I mean, I. I can do my own version of, you know, doing topical news stuff. And I've, yeah. got a, I've got a thing, I've been doing a, a segment called <clears throat> The Image Makeover on the Bob and Tom radio show, which is a big nationally syndicated mm-hmm. radio show. And uh, <clears throat> the premise was is that people screw up in the public eye, whether it's corporations, individuals, Obama administration with Obamacare and the website, and then they bring in PR specialists who manage, you know, emergency... Yeah, the spin doctors. Spin doctors. So I created the image makeover with Paul Mercurio, where I play a spin doctor. And I fix the image of things that have screwed up.
2: Oh, nice. Okay. But
3: in fix, quote-unquote, yes. I'm doing air quotes by that right now for people <laughs> listening. Um in fixing the image, I give all these suggestions. I understand
5: that you have a makeover prepared for
3: today. Yes, I do. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, many Americans don't realize that their lives are controlled by a small set of supreme arbiters who meet every year starting in October and dictate the way we look at our very lives. I'm mm-hmm. talking, of course, mm-hmm. about the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, okay. the Supreme Court? Oh, and there's nothing, and uh-huh. there's nothing we can do to change them, but I can change the Supreme Court. Yes, oh, okay. which is what I'm going to do today. We've all been focused on Sonia Sotomayor because she might be the Supreme Court's first Hispanic woman.
5: Mm -hmm. Well, that's
3: not completely accurate. The Supreme Court already has an Hispanic woman. The only decision she has to make is when to dust Clarence Thomas's porn collection. (laughs) 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 I see. Now, we all saw Sotomayor's confirmation hearing, and after watching a whole week of this, I felt like there was more dippervant in my body than a Michael Jackson doctor's glove compartment. (laughs) 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 Let's face it, not only is the confirmation process as boring, but the entire Supreme Court is arcane and hopelessly unhipped. It's oh, in desperate yeah. need of a makeover because in the river of public images, you only have one of two choices, Roe or Wade. How <laughs> <it. Very> true. <laughs> it's very true. Supreme Court, you're the only branch of government that shares a name with the 60s Motown girl group. I have to expect to hear you singing, baby, baby, where did our guns go? Oh. Or, you can't hurry birth, no, you just have to wait. Uh-huh. You need a name that most people can relate to, so I'm changing you from Supreme Court to Megan Fox. You want kids to study law? (laughs) Tell them their briefs will be seen by Megan Fox. Amen, brother. Uh Lawyers could say, on my big day, I was inside Megan Fox for eight hours. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Your judicial robes are too much. This may have looked good when George Washington was president, but so did knickers, powdered wigs, and slaves. How true. You guys look like either the world's oldest graduating class or the world's worst gospel choir. (laughs) Now, if you have to wear a dress and it has to be black, at least accessorize. Throw some pearls around your neck and add a splash of color and a sash with a belt. And before you know it, at every D.C. cocktail party, it'll be Scalia versus every man in the room. (laughs) Now, a court of justices is played out. You should be a Justice League of judicial superheroes, each with Mm -hmm. your own special power. Scalia will be an inflexible man, known for his refusal to consider opposing viewpoints. <laughs> mm-hmm. Justice Stevens would be your friendly neighborhood spider veins, able to masticate food with his bare gums. <laughs> and they'd be led by Chief Justice John Roberts. As one of only 12 Catholics to serve on the court in 233 years, Roberts would become the incredible guilt. <laughs> 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 His power would be running the Supreme Court while deep down feeling bad about being a dirty, dirty little girl. <laughs> Side note, this might also qualify him as Wonder Woman. Uh, oh. <laughs> next, Good. we have to change the whole nomination process. Every time one of you is nominated, people dig through your past and find embarrassing things. By the yeah. time you get seated, you've been dragged through the mud so much, you look like Amy Winehouse after a weekend with Andy Dick. <laughs> I'd watch that. <laughs> Absolutely. The She's Lonely ju- Queer. The Lonely Queer. <laughs> with Andy Dick. Yeah. Uh, Choose justices in secret like the Catholic Church chooses the Pope. Every time there's a new Pope, we wonder, was he a Nazi? Is he gay? Is he a gay Nazi? (laughs) In fact, for your next justice, why not pick a gay Nazi? (laughs) Oh, yeah. He'd have great fashion sense and take over all the courts around him. (laughs) Finally, your cases are too intellectual and esoteric. I'd like to see cases that are more close to home for the average person, like... Mercurio versus the people who say they read my emails, but they don't read my emails. (laughs) (laughs) And Mercurio versus the supermarket checkout clerk who asks if I want a bag for my 10 loose items. And I say, no, I'm from Africa. I'll just balance them on my head as I walk back to the village. (laughs) 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 Or Mercurio versus my wife who says the pickles are on the second shelf of the fridge. And I say, no, they're not. And she says, yes, they are. If you just move the mayonnaise, they're right in front of you. And I say, no, they're not. And she says, yes, they are. And she moves the mayonnaise, (laughs) and there they are. are. (laughs) I hate that. I hate that. She's always right, Josh. Just remember that. Finally, in Al Franken, we have the first comedian senator. It's time we had the first comedian Supreme Court justice, me. In my first case, the summation would go like this. Fellow justices, distinguished colleagues, ladies and gentlemen, is it hot in here? Or is that the raw sexual energy of Ruth Bader Ginsburg? <laughs> <laughs> Esteemed members of the court, we all know that justice is blind. Yet a famous Supreme Court justice once said, I don't know what pornography is, but I know it when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> so the key to justice is to see as much pornography as you can without letting it make you go blind. Uh-huh. I'm Paul Mercurio, and that's my supreme makeover, everybody. Very nice, very nice, Paul. So I have a CD of it called The Image Makeover, which I sell at my shows and people can get online on my website, com. And I've now come up with a TV show idea around that. Oh, cool. All the different ones are on my website. And, you know, I've done it for global, like, and the nice thing is you don't just do it for individuals. Like, I did it for global warming. (laughs) like, global warming you got to get more people behind you you're not a sexy cause like cancer or you know <laughs> child abuse you know you got to this is how you get people to be interested get lindsey lohan involved and whatever and, you know and then i make you know what i mean so yeah, yeah. or i um i did i re i and i re, i remade the image of historical figures like who don't have like nixon I remade okay his cool image yeah and comment
2: well that's i mean that's a, that's a uh virtually unlimited well I mean yeah. you have this like literally historical figures dating right. back you know thousands of right. years right so I right. did one on presidents it's okay and you'll
3: see it yeah. made over uh, Grant's image and okay. I made over Lincoln's image and you know um, you know uh, I made over the holiday of Thanksgiving it's antiquated like who wears a hat with a buckle on it what are you got to let out your hat like you know things like that and so so you'll see, I've done, it, so it's, I did not limit it to just individuals, you know, um, but to corporations. Like, I could do one on the Obamacare website if I wanted to, you know, so. That's
2: so, great. So you've been here in San Francisco, you're going to L.A. to take some meetings. Um, are you, uh, are you traveling a lot more these days to do stand-up? Yeah, I was yeah. on,
3: in December, I was home three days in all of December. Wow,
2: okay.
3: I was on the road in, uh, three different markets, three back-to-back weeks, and, um, I was actually supposed to be out in uh, two two gigs in uh, this month, uh, end of the month in January, but had to move them because I've got to be in L.A. Uh, for these TV projects. And then I'll go to Fort Lauderdale February 6th through the 9th. I'm going to improv there. Okay. So, yeah, I'm sort of doing a lot of uh, touring. And, Is there uh, a tour schedule up on your website? Yeah. Okay, uh, cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. And then I'm going to be in Baltimore February 20th through the 26th. And then I'm going to be in the, uh, and then I, uh, March, I've got to be back in L.A. a lot, so I haven't booked a lot in March, but I'm going to go to the uh, Glasgow Comedy Festival at the end of March. Oh, nice. They okay. invited be there, so I'm going to be there like the last four or five days of March. So if anybody's in Glasgow, come on out.
2: I have a big Glasgow listenership. I would actually. hope you would. So I actually have... I, uh, a lot of listeners in uh, in the British Isles. Do you really? Yeah. How did that come about? I have no idea. They just, for whatever reason, I've got a lot of people that enjoy listening to cuts of other shows and oh, things like that. So and there's some great English podcasts, by the way. Is that right? Really funny stuff. Yeah. Really funny stuff. Yeah.
3: I got um, to check. What's one? That, so, I, I I, mean, I'm basically, there's so many different ones. Like, that's the great thing about podcasting. You know, in my podcast, it's like I I get to do what I want to do, and I don't, you know, yeah. like, like you do, and, you know i like doing long form and really getting into stuff with people and understanding their process and you know like stone cold steve austin i interviewed him i don't know what to expect i'm not a huge wrestling fan we ended up doing a two-part interview he was so fascinating and he talked about i like to talk to people about process you know yeah. you know like paul mccartney i got him from my right that it's, was great it's, yeah, yeah we played played you talking about that yeah thing. exactly yeah did we play the voice message i have for him did we ever play that I have a voice message on my phone from Paul McCartney. I think we did play yeah, it, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm yeah. so proud of that. I played for everybody that's who fan- even talked to me. That's fantastic. And basically, Stone Cold comes to my hotel room in Los Angeles. And by the way, on his way up, I'm like, man, this guy's, what if he goes into a roid range? It starts from start roid rage and starts raping me in the room i'm not gonna be able to get he's huge couldn't be a nicer great press though yeah exactly (laughs) it's a win-win skinny italian (laughs) comedians raped in his room by a wrestler. Woo, daddy did that really happen to you yes yes um and um we start talking and what he did what these wrestlers have to do to find their persona is exactly what comedians Mm. do he would go from podium, town, to town to town, working these little shows, trying this persona out, trying that, seeing what the audience is reacting to, listening to what the audience taking mental notes, changing things. It's exactly what a comedian does. Interesting. And it was fascinating. And so what I'm excited about with that interview and proud of is, like, I want people to, like, hear something. People have preconceived notions about people and things. And I think if we're doing our job right like you expose people to something that they didn't know that they'd be interested in and go oh I never saw wrestling in that way before and I think it's good for the listener it's good for the subject that I'm interviewing and it's good for me if you can put it out there and people go like I had people say I'm not a wrestling fan that was a really cool conversation about wrestling I didn't get into like so do you still have fights with Hulk Hogan I didn't get into that part of it which I'm sure like the crazy super wrestling fans would want it was more like um how does just, the how does the ordinary person cap entrance yeah into what's your Steve process Austin? like i talked to bob casas i didn't talk to him at all about his theories on sports right now and the state of baseball and stuff. you can hear that anytime right i wanted people to know about bob casas how he got started he would listen in his bed at night on the radio to sports you know to sporting events and so I want to be, be be that guy. And he started to educate himself how to tell stories mm-hmm. over the radio, paint pictures with, ra- you know. And I, you know, I, I I interviewed a guy named Bob Krakauer, who's probably the best acting coach in L.A. or New York. Hmm. Nobody knows who he is outside of the world of acting. And we talked about acting. Because everybody's got an opinion about acting. Everybody's got an you know, opinion. The plumber's got an opinion. He was not a very good actor. I didn't believe him. Really? Like, really? What do you know about, like... <laughs> and I wanted people to hear not from a director not from an actor who's got a different agenda just a purest guy who does this for a living what is good acting what is bad acting I had so many people go I knew nothing about acting I'm just an average person but that was the most interesting thing it opened my eyes to acting in a way that I didn't understand and that's kind of what I'm trying to do with the podcast it's sort of you know like Charlie Rose to have a smile a little bit like just really getting into it with people um well, and it, it,
2: again, it's it's reflected in this niche of you going after sort of these sports availabilities, I'll call them, where you're you're looking at interviews saying, okay, what hasn't this guy been asked about?
3: Well, that's the other thing. Like, when I talk to somebody, I research and try to, like, see if they've talked about, unless they want to. Like, I talked to Jay Moore, and he wanted to talk about, like, his panic disorder. He's, mm. His thing is, uh, we just posted it. Um, and... uh he talked a lot about it, you know, and Zach Clonopin and you know, that you know, was an alcoholic and he you know, hit the kind of act he was doing was all like designed as he said to get like laid, you know, like he it wasn't really genuine. Yeah. And then he took two years off, he said and sort of took a step back and cleaned up and like got the panic disorder under control and like now it's just talking more in a more real way about his life. And so he's you know, He's transitioned as an artist from one kind of thing to another, you know.
2: And again, another comic who, you know, doing podcasting. Yeah. Which I think for a lot of comedians is is kind of therapeutic because you're not on stage trying to make an audience laugh, per se. You're talking to an audience about, about whatever. No, that's a
3: really good point. Like, what I don't do is I don't try to be super funny in my podcast. My feeling is if you want to see me, hear me be funny. Right. Buy my CD, come see me. There's all sorts of clips of me online. They they always end up being funny, but organically funny in the conversation. So it's it's just about like I'll talk. I want I'll, I'll talk to politicians, but we can make it funny because sure. everybody's funny and everybody's got funny stories. It's my job to pull it out pull it out of them organically in the context of the conversation. So like
2: yeah, I mean that you know that's why Succotash, You know I I clip comedy podcasts and by comedy podcasts it's not necessarily funny podcasts. My categorization is. There are funny podcasts. There are comedians that are doing podcasts that are not necessarily funny. I mean, look at things like, um, uh, what's the one I'm thinking about? Um, the, uh, is it Paul? Oh, I can't remember his name. Uh, he's got a, it's, he has people on just talking about their, sort of their, their problems. <laughs> um, it's called. Paul uh, F. Tompkins? No, no, no. It's um, Paul. Oh. I'm drawing a blank on it but it's the happiness hour or something like that yeah. and, he, and he has oftentimes comedians on yeah. but it's about almost never funny
3: yeah you know I mean it might be just inadvertently well I think it's good for the TV industry too because it's a way for people because people can do whatever they want it's a very personalized medium yeah right like what drives my podcast is what I want to talk about and who I want to talk to so I don't have any agenda like I'm just letting it be I'm letting it be it and out of that could very conceivably come a TV show idea, sure, that could end up on TV. That would not have come about because it's like a proof of content, yeah, and it's an incubation site. Right? I mean, look
2: at look at the the original Tonight Show. People didn't, or not the original, but let's call it the third iteration with Johnny Carson. People didn't tune in to find out about Johnny Carson. Right. They just wanted to see what he had to say right. about guests that are coming on. Right. And mom, I think that this is a day.
3: I think this is a good opportunity for people to. I mean, radio's become so corporate and, you know, you, they, it's all about people meters and they don't want to hear a lot of talk, so there's there's no, like, interesting, uh, there's no interesting, like, talk or anything like that, and <clears throat> that's long form, you know, you're on for five minutes, seven minutes, that kind of thing. This is like the wild, wild west, I and mean, Paul McCartney, we talked about his process of writing music and, you know, that he was in the Beatles and, talks about a beetle sandwich that were on the road and the boys were their van that they were living in and they had this it was so cold that they stacked on top of each other and, <laughs> and he talked about not touring because you know they couldn't hear the music anymore all the girls were screaming so they went in the studio and they made the Sgt. pepper album and right like, and that everybody was writing them off and they were laughing they're sitting in the studio making sergeant pepper and reading these uh, their imminent demise and these <laughs> by these rock critics and everything else and so you know costas bob costas talks about He's got a 1952 Mickey Mantle rookie baseball card in his wallet to this day. 60-something-year-old man. So that tells you everything about Bob Costas right now. Yeah, there. yeah. And you're not going to, that's why I don't want to talk to Bob Costas about his views on steroids in baseball right now. Not that it's not brilliant, because he is brilliant, but he they can get that anywhere. That's right. Like, that's right. My where, job where, is else, to, where else are they going to find out
2: about Bob Costas? Yeah, my job
3: is to bring them something different about Bob Costas, which goes back to doing research on these people so that you're not asking, they're not saying the same thing they've said in 42 other places, unless they really want to. Like, sometimes people have an agenda a little bit, you know, they want to yeah. plug something or they really want to talk about, like, you know, some epiphany in their life, and yeah. then I'm happy to do that too, but, like, this is a, like a wide open thing, you know.
2: So tell me three people you would love to have on either your podcast or a eventually a TV show that you would love to get
3: to the guts of. Bill Clinton. I've actually tried to get him through a couple of people I know, but I haven't had success yet. But I'll get him. <laughs> uh, um, okay. Uh, I would like to interview uh, Tom Hanks. Hmm. Not just because he's an actor, but because he does, he's so involved in different varied, interesting uh projects yeah um and like just has this ability to like seem to put his finger on the right button at the right time hmm. i think he has a lot of integrity as a person um so he would be somebody that i'd really like to have and um i'd like mark Hershon but he's very difficult to get yeah,
2: he's an asshole too he's, he's like
3: people it's layers upon layers <laughs> yeah. and then if you do get him He's got all these specific rider requests. Like he's, you know, it has to be. There's that he needs a taupe green room. It has to be taupe. That's what I'm saying. The guy's a complete
16: dick. And he so. needs
3: a. He needs his balls shaved.
2: Don't ask me what that's about. And I'll tell you, I've heard if you get inside, nothing there. <laughs> nothing. It's
3: just hello, 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 yeah, hello. Just hello.
2: you talking to yourself. Yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> um, I would also like to um. You know, I'd actually like to talk to um, like a sort of a starving artist-painter kind of person. Mm. Because I don't know really a lot about that world. And it's interesting to see if there are parallels to stand-up and acting, which I'm more familiar with in terms of how you break through. Because that to me seems so much harder than breaking through. Because if I'm trying to be a stand-up on TV as a stand-up or an actor or an actor on TV and film there are mediums through which I can reach yeah, lots of there are, people there are pathways yeah like right. I can put stuff on YouTube or I can go audition and then get on shows which I'm, like what I'm doing now right. I go on TV shows isn't it but like an art is always going to be a low-tech thing right you paint this thing on canvas then you hang it somewhere and people <laughs> come and see it like well you can't put that on YouTube and like whatever it's like so what do they? Like, hmm. I would have a million questions. Like, well, what are you doing now in 2014? Yeah. How is technology helping you break out? It's still a little. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'd be interested to know that. And then, of course, there's Steven Spielberg. I mean, I'd love to talk to. Um, I'm actually going to talk to a guy named Mike Baker, who was a CIA um, guy, high-level CIA hmm. guy for 17 years. He now does uh, corporate security oh, work. Okay. And I, I, he's got great stories and just how that world works and how it really works versus mm. how the Republicans and Democrats spin how it works, Yeah. especially now, given what's going on with the NSA. So he's somebody I want to talk to. Um, Steven Spielberg would be amazing because just... And I want to talk to Charlie Rose. That'd be interesting. I want to talk to Charlie Rose about talking to people. Yeah. Because he's so good at it. I think your cab may be here. Okay. All right, cool. Uh, is this enough? You got enough? Is it enough time?
2: Yeah, it's enough for now. Yeah. We can talk more? anytime. This yeah. is great. This will yeah. be
3: perfect. Yeah. Uh, glad we got a chance to sit down and talk face yeah, to face. Yeah, I never, well, let's be honest. You're Mark Kershaw. <laughs> Your back is facing me because you won't make eye contact with anybody because you're such a pompous ass. It's the way
2: I am. It's the way I am. I feel communi- people communicate with me better when they don't have to look at me. <laughs> I'm glad
3: you came to the show, man. Oh, it was great. It
2: was great to see you work. Because, I mean, you know, other than uh, catching you on camera somewhere, that sort of thing, I've never seen you work live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, like I said to you after your show, you do, I mean, people work the audience, and there's some good audience people, but you really do a great job working the audience. Thank you. uh, That
3: means a lot from an improv guy. I appreciate
2: it. I mean, it really is uh, intricate in how you involve them in the process
3: of the show. Well, for me in my mind it's not a show anymore, it's like a conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's not by, been my plan. Like It's not like, okay, tonight I'm gonna now turn the corner to another page of my stand-up. It's really been like, happen organically, which is the best stuff that you know. Sure. And what it's become, and someone described it to me that way, who was in the audience, a fan came up and this. you know, it's just like we were hanging out in somebody's giant basement Everybody had drinks, and we were just all having fun and shooting shit and busting each other's balls like you do with your friends. And that's exactly what, I wanted it to feel like for that hour, these are like essentially my extended friends who are, I don't really know, but I feel like I know, and now I know about Mark, and he's whatever, and he knows about Judy, who reveals something about her, and then I'm, my job, I think, is to kind of make it all connect in some way. It's so funny, because a lot of times people will say like, Oh man, that everything's like worked out perfectly. Talking to those people were they plants? Yes, they were plants. Yes. I call three weeks ahead and I ask for a black guy and Asian guy and whatever. Very I labor them, intensive. Right, and then I have them each send me a bio. I do this research. We have a team of people. And then there's a complicated system of right. signals from the exactly. audience where exactly. we're going next. They're all wearing IFBs, and there's yes. a guy in the back talking on a microphone. Like, You're an idiot. No, it's just you just throw them in. The key to it is to not try to get a laugh on the first question you ask, mm-hmm. I think, for me. It's going deeper because then you'll get more deep information from somebody and then the conversation. So instead of going like, where are you from? New Jersey. Oh, yeah, what exit? It's like, okay. And I rarely ask, where are you from? Well,
2: like you said, it is. I mean, it is like improv in that you're not trying, and typically in improv, you're not trying to get a laugh. You're trying to have a conversation right. and you're trying to
3: reveal things as you go right 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 right, Uh, right, right.
2: so i mean it works perfectly into that
3: in that mode yeah yeah it's been fun it's fun for me and it's also opened up avenues of material that i wouldn't have gotten otherwise yeah and helped me reframe things so i might have bits but then in a conversation like somebody said it might have been the show you were at somebody says the guy who's a jewish guy who grew up in new york and has been in san francisco for 20 years i go how is he goes well it's nice here but not enough tension not enough tension (laughs) any tension that's a total like east coast new york thing right yeah yeah and i knew what he said what he meant i'm going to use that now because i have a whole bunch of material where i talk about hating people because they make life complicated and i live my life in confrontation all the time trying to almost larry davidish in a way trying to right right the wrongs of the world but making it worse for myself in doing so well, him saying that reframed that conversation for me in a way that I'll now use and not pay him a nickel because that's how I am. Beautiful. That's what I've heard about Paul Mercurio. Mm-hmm. He, you know, just but takes. Like, he takes th-
2: he ta- he's a taker. I mean, he takes. What am takes. I getting paid for this, by the way? Uh, you'll get something. I Some, get a Mark shirt uh, T-shirt. You'll get an honorarium. Well, you have thongs that. now. You have a line of thongs. I, I do. Well, you'll get a Succotash button. You want one of those? <laughs> you can have one of those. So uh, so, so
3: basically, in having these conversations with these people, they're driving like, they're actually, I'm using it organically yeah. to write and rewrite stuff. That's great. Yeah. I don't want you to miss your cab or All your right. flight. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for talking hey, to us. Hey, it's a blast, great buddy. to see you. So, we're going to hang out again when I come back, Absolutely. Right? All right, cool. Or if I get to New York first, which yeah. doesn't really happen. All right, okay. Maybe one of these days. All right. Thanks, and uh, people can check me out on, uh, you know, line and com. Yep, yep. And, and the podcast. Yeah. Uh, Paul McCurio Show on iTunes. And follow me on Facebook and Twitter. It's paulmccurio.com. M-E-C-U-R-I-O. Don't put an R in there. M-E-R-C-U-R to some other guy, an Australian actor who's not nearly as talented as I am. And he has a very big package because he wears tight pants. Thanks, buddy. All right, Paul. Thanks
2: again for the time, Paul. Be sure to listen in to the Paul Mercurio Show on his website, paulmercurio.com, and also on the Sideshow sideshownetwork.tv. Our in-house raging moderate and comedian Will Durst levels his sights on New Jersey's Governor Chris Christie. And why not? He's a pretty beefy target. Hard to miss.
16: Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words about the Chris Christie juggernaut hitting its first iceberg. Apologies aside, the fact is, either he knew about the George Washington Bridge closure and did nothing about it, which makes him a cretinous toad, or he had no idea that his staff closed down the bridge, which makes him a friggin' idiot, and nobody thinks Chris Christie is a friggin' idiot, especially him, as we saw during his two-hour press conference fielding questions from reporters. He didn't answer any of them, but that's not the point. The whole country is grateful that when Governor Bridge and Tunnel got into trouble, it wasn't for texting naked pictures of his junk to anybody. Wouldn't have been able to scrape that image off our collective retinas with a belt sander. And he sure got rid of the supposedly guilty staffer pretty quick. If throwing people under a bus were an Olympic event, Chris Christie would be waving to the cameras wearing a tracksuit in Russia next month. Double XL. The funny thing is, when you think of the porcine Politico and major arteries being clogged, traffic patterns are not what first springs to mind. At least the guys being up front and not trying to hide behind a rock Of course, the Himalayas, being outside of New Jersey, could be partly responsible for that. Just worried that this is all going to end up badly, with a construction crew removing the Capitol Rotunda so that a crane can lift Chris Christie and his ego out to safety in order to undergo an operation that will staple together his lips. This guy doesn't run a banana republic. He is a banana republic but still has to be considered the odds-on favorite for the 2016 GOP presidential nomination. After all, he's too big to fail. For Succotash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst.
2: Durst has more Durst waiting for you at willdurst.com, and he's also all at Twitter as well at will durst before we shut the lid on succotash epi 80 let me remind you that you are always welcome to rate and review succotash up on itunes or like our facebook page you can also stream the show there and you can even give us a thumbs up on stitcher on demand radio or click the little heart on soundcloud.com we also replay over on cweradio.com we get weekly shout outs over at the chill pack hollywood hour podcast And heck, I'm still giving away succotash buttons for free to anyone who emails me their snail mail address to button at succotashshow.com. We will even pay the postage. All right, enough of me yammering on. Get out of here, and please remember to pass the succotash.
1: You've been listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. brought to you by Henderson's Pats. And imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, or on Stitcher Smart Radio. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show, email us at marc at show.com, or call into the Suckatash hotline at our toll call number 818-921-7212. That number again is 818-921-7212. Suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the
15: suck Goodbye. suck